Welcome to another episode of Dev Shop Stories. My name is Josh and I have Kai here today with me for the first time. And today we're going to share a story about user acceptance testing. So QA is another term that is often being used on this, but we have two different clients, client A and client B. Client A had a fixed budget, which they all do, but client A had was trying to stretch that budget as much as possible to get try to get as many features in and to try to just basically get to a launch date with hardly any budget available for QA. So much so that they said, hey, we're going to just do the QA ourselves so we can actually, you know, do more features, add more, cram more into the app. Well, unfortunately, it kind of backfired on us. The QA that they promised to deliver, they outsourced it to India. And it was only maybe a one week process. I think they only wrote up three tickets in general, even though there was blaring issues that we even knew about that was never getting documented, never getting written up. And so unfortunately, when we launched that, basically the app had some major issues that we looked terrible. I mean, we had to go back to the client and say, sorry, I mean, yep, these things should have been caught, but they weren't. And we're going to have to go fix them kind of on our own dime. We did, you know, we took kind of concessions and there's heated exchange. Well, let's contrast that to company B. Company B had a little bit bigger budget, but they, they also realized the need for a strong, solid, stable product. I mean, you only get to launch once your product and have a number of people on it. And so what we did was we actually code freeze an entire month before the launch. And so no new features were added, no new, hey, what if we could do this? And we just basically put a QA team onto that. We just stress test the heck out of it. We did load testing where we simulated thousands of users on it at a time, up the server values based on, on those results. We also sent out a beta group. So we invited friends and family to come on give feedback on the app, basically find those bugs, fix them. And it was, it was actually really well. We, we had it on the iTunes store with test flight. We had it on Android with their Android beta test and put a kind of password block in front of that. But the net effect is, is that when it came to launch, we had a very smooth process. There was over 2000 users on day one that was using it, no major issues. A couple little things that we found, which which were not showstoppers because no product is perfect. And it just was way better. So much so that we've actually tweaked our processes and our models so that we no longer will take on projects that don't have a QA or a user acceptance testing portion of them. It just turns out better that if we would have just forced that and said, hey, you have to have this, you're going to be happier. We're going to be happier. That's the way it's going to go. So... Any thoughts there, Kai? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. The The first thought is with company A, I feel like that's a typical desire for most startups or people who have an idea about an app. You know, they have a budget for development and they want to make that budget go as far as possible. Try to get as many bells and whistles and, and cool little add-ons that they can get for the app. But they uh, tend to devalue or not understand the value of, of proper and good testing. No one wants to spend extra money just for someone to click around on their app. The reality is a key and critical process to the success of it. Uh, and we've kind of seen this in both projects with company A and company B, one doing no testing or virtually no testing, and then the other essentially planning in and baking in their budget an entire month in addition to our QA throughout the entirety of the project. Right. 
And I think even on top of that, we've we've learned some stuff with even that project that we would actually make some kind of tweaks and, and changes to our process. So Kai, why don't you spend a second here and just kind of go through in your ideal sense, what would be the process of user acceptance testing? Yeah, the the term user acceptance testing is it kind of has a couple variations within that. Uh, the first one that we'll cover is the the customer themselves. So user acceptance, meaning that our client will go through the app or website or whatever software product, go through it, compare it to designs, compare it to requirement docs, and actually vet out is this what we intended? Is this what we want? We try to do this at least a month prior to the launch, just so we have time to make any adjustments or alterations. Again, it's not anything like monumental because we've walked the client throughout the entire way of building it, but it is essentially just going through a checklist of of items. And our process is we'll finish development. We'll essentially hand the customer a checklist of requirements along with designs. They'll go through, they'll go check off every key feature, any missing requirements they'll come back to us on and we'll make adjustments, of course. And then from there, we prep them to go and launch to a beta group. Now, I know that we've done a couple different launches this way where we kind of initiate the beta group, but I think one of the best success we've ever had is to try to get some of their customer base involved with the beta group as well as their internal employees. But it seems like if you just drop a big document onto people that are doing this essentially for free, you know, they're not going to read through 70 pages of, of documents and, and, and actually kind of test it the way you want it to test, right? And so what have we kind of done to kind of make that easier? I mean, the, the big thing is, is the designs need to be easy for the beta group and for any user. If a customer has to read a 70-page doc to be able to use an app, I think that might have just failed design from the start. But that said, Kind of the steps that we take is we help our clients set up a communication system with their their customer base. And what kind of what would be an example of a communication system like that? So actually, one of the things we use is like Facebook groups. That's an easy one most companies will have and and can do. Uh, another one that we are actually were just talking with our client today about was they have a, a social feature within one of their products, and rather than using an outside group like Facebook. They're just going to have their beta group report and stay within the, the product itself and report there. So it can look like a couple of different ways, but the biggest and most important thing is it's easy for their customer to provide feedback and receive instruction. And one of the things that I remember doing is we would get our lead QA tester into those groups. And so they would kind of be fielding questions and like, I don't know what to do or why is this not working? They can actually be a help and, and kind of ask well, why was that difficult or, or what, what, you know, kind of tripped you up? And so they, they can take that feedback, they can write it in tickets, they can go back to the customer and see, does there need to be design changes? Because we're getting a lot of feedback that they didn't know what to click on button X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. In fact, if you want to learn anything about your product, I'd say the quickest way to learn is provide a forum like that and just watch what questions come in because customers will bring in questions that you never thought about. Yeah. I remember... This, this one example where we had one of our developers, he thought it was being pretty awesome. He found a way to do kind of a haptic feedback. So when you click on a button, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just does a little vibrate, you know, just like, and you just kind of feel it. So you feel like you're actually pushing a real button. He was really proud about that and decided to put it on every single button he could in the entire app. Well, the, one of the first pieces of feedback when we launched is, how do we shut this off? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it was the first comment actually. Yeah. I think about yeah. it. Yeah. It's driving me nuts how I turn it off. Yeah, those that feedback is is kind of critical, and you know it it may or may not affect the the launch. I mean, that's the thing though with receiving that kind of feedback. One way or another, your customer is going to get it get the the product, whether it be an app or a website, they're going to go through it and they're going to see the exact same things as your beta group. This precautionary step is a way to clean everything up before the final release. And then when everyone sees the product, they're just wowed by uh, your company and your product. Now, let me take a step back here. So before kind of going to the beta group or part of right when you're about to launch the beta group, I think another important step is that you actually go meet with the stakeholders the clients and you actually say, okay, everybody pull out your phones. We're going to do an install and we're going to check it. And I'm going to walk around each and every one of you and ask any, answer any questions, help you get it on there. And that, that kind of first buy-in is, is a key critical step to the user acceptance testing. Oh, absolutely. And a key step to the launch. You know, when we did this with company B, for example, we visited them, we walked through the app, tried to get people signed on. We actually found some errors while we were there, uh, which we addressed that same day. But it, it gets the team thinking about the app and thinking about how can we make this successful. Uh, one of the reasons why Company B was more successful than Company A is they had buy-in from every person on their team and was able to set up their marketing and campaigns to, to kind of match. So Yeah, well, actually, that's, that's a good tie-in to the launch portion of it. So launch day comes about and what do you do? You just go ahead and say, click, it's on the app store. People will start finding it, you know, kind of thing, right? Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) That's not really how it goes on. I mean, maybe you'll get a couple people to download it. So what what did company B do that was more successful than the first company on on the launch phase? I mean, they, they really leaned into it. You know, they knew exactly what they wanted to get from their product. And so they introduced their their app essentially into every phase of their business. They sent out digital advertising. They put it all on all their social channels and they've actually included it in their checkout flow as part of one of their products. Oh, that's awesome. And then I think I saw emails go out. I saw text messages go out. I saw, you know, like you're saying, Instagram stories. I think they did like a 15 to 20 page story on it specifically and it was pretty cool because Instagram stories has a lot of interactive functionality. So they had little sliders that you can say, hey, how much do you like this? And how much would you be willing to use an app? And then this is like introducing. And then the next screen is like our new app. And then here's the download links. And here's that. They, Like you said, they really leaned into it with their social presence there. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of funny. Development is actually a tiny part. I mean, it is a huge part, but only a part of the launch. Everything else, all the buy-in from everyone else, that's that's the almost bigger part that you have to succeed in to be able to have a successful launch. Right. And so because of that time that we spent doing the QA and the load testing and, and all that, we had a successful day one launch. Servers weren't crashing. We weren't getting overloaded. We were prepared for it. But then what we decided to do in Red Sky Engineering is to have a two-week post-launch phase. And so Kai, can you explain a little bit of what that about that? I'm sure it's been mentioned on the show. We are we view ourselves as a tech partner, meaning that we will be with you every step of the phase. So even post-launch, we want you to be successful. And so for a two-week window before we roll into a maintenance package, we have our dev team essentially stand by and help out, jump in in any bugs or any issues that come up. We learn a lot on launch day. And we learn a lot in that first couple of weeks of launch. Yeah. One of the things that we wanted to do was we didn't 
we didn't want to feel like we were nickel and diming our customers. And so we actually included right into the price, the two week post launch phase, because we knew that there was bugs and, and little things to fix that here and there. And so we actually just kind of included that into the pricing. And so everybody feels like it's fair and, and such. And then after those two weeks, we go into a maintenance mode. For those who aren't familiar, software, just like a car, needs to be maintained. You know, you got to change the oil, you got to rotate the tires, you got to, you know, change the wiper blades and stuff. And software is is no different. You know, number of people that that are surprised by that is astounding to me sometimes. You know, server security certificates expire and you got to replace those and you've got a iPhone pushes out a new update that now your app doesn't work anymore because they've deprecated some old libraries. So it just needs to be maintained. And so Kai, you want to talk really quick about our, our maintenance phase? Yeah. Similar to what you were saying, Josh, is just maintaining the car, going day, to, day by day, maintaining the servers. I, I think a big thing too that people all overlook is any third-party integrations that we have can also play a role in, uh, in maintenance. You know, we had for both companies actually tie into a third-party and both software actually changed while we were using the apps. In the middle development, right? right? In the middle yeah. development and yeah. even... A little bit uh, right before launch, and so those those kind of things are going to come up. Everyone's maintaining. Everyone's trying to get quicker, better, smarter. And the only way your app or product keeps up is if there's continual maintenance and making sure that the wheels are greased and everyone's working well. Absolutely. Well, I hope this was useful talking through our user acceptance testing, our launch and maintenance phases. Thank you for listening to our story. We'll be back next week with more stories, personal experiences and advice on running a dev shop. Thanks, Kai. Thanks, Josh.